Hello, this is Alex Granado, Senior Reporter for Education NC, and you're listening to Ed Talk. Today we're talking with Trip Stallings and Steve Porter. Trip is the Director of Policy Research at the Friday Institute for Educational Innovation at NC State. And Steve is a professor of higher education at the NC State College of Education. Thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. Uh, so, Tripp, I'm going to start with you. Um, we're here today to talk to you about the research you all did on Read to Achieve. Uh, but before we get into that research, can you give our listeners just a quick overview of what Read to Achieve is? Read to Achieve began as a response to uh, something that we call social promotion, the idea that you advance students from grade to grade based on their age, not based on some other measure. Uh, And Read to Achieve is a reaction to that in some ways to try to reduce the amount of uh, promotions that took place because of age in favor of promotions that reflected some uh, measure of a student's preparation for the next grade. So in this case, the measure in question is a reading proficiency, the degree to which a student is deemed able to read on a third grade level entering into fourth grade. Read to Achieve is based on a, a, a similar program in Florida. And in our state, uh, your eligibility for Read to Achieve is based on your performance on your very first end-of-grade test. In North Carolina, as most of your listeners know, students take a standardized test beginning in third grade in both reading and math. And the third grade reading score determines uh, that student's eligibility for Read to Achieve services. And so um, tell me what exactly your research was looking at. So what happens when a student takes the third grade, uh, end of grade uh, test is the scores then used to determine whether or not that student will be uh, deemed reading proficient and therefore eligible for promotion to the fourth grade. If not, a lot of things happen uh, between the, the taking of that test and the beginning of what would be that student's fourth grade year. There are retests, remeasures using different means for determining reading proficiency. There are interventions, including a reading camp. And all of this uh, then contributes to the final decision about whether that student moves on to the fourth grade or is uh, placed in a classroom setting that is designed to provide more reading support for those students during what would have been their fourth grade year. And uh, the, the, what happens during that, that period for those who go into those supportive services is that starting in November, they have the opportunity to be promoted formally into fourth grade. So this is a very wide-reaching policy. It begins with uh, the student taking the test uh, in May of the third grade year, and it can potentially continue through uh, the entire fourth grade year of uh, school. Our interest was in the overall impact or effectiveness of the policy itself uh, in making it possible for students to improve their reading achievement. And I want to make the a distinction there. It's less about what happens to students who are formally retained and more about what happens to students the minute that they have that uh, their, their reading achievement is, is assessed by the third grade test. So we're talking about students who are initially identified for read to achieve, regardless of whether they go through those services or not. Now, our study also focuses at some point on just the students who receive the services during the summer and through the following year. But we wanted to take a look at how the, the presence of the policy itself and its impact, what its impact was on students, regardless of whether they went through all of the services or not. And so um, just to back up really quick, so mm-hmm. this policy, the General Assembly's put a lot of money behind this policy. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of support from Senate President Pro Tempore, um, Phil Berger. So it's safe to say that this is something that a lot of uh, lawmakers in North Carolina have a lot of stake in. 
Well, and it's exactly the kind of thing that we look for when we look for our research schedule for the, the coming year. The first thing we do is we take a look at uh, what is uh, coming in the budget or what is coming in a policy that we think is going to have or has the potential to have a significant impact on the state. And we uh, then identify resources to help us um, uh, provide the state with the best information we can about the success or the challenges of these policies. So Read to Achieve, as you note, is a very important policy to a lot of policymakers, and uh, there was a lot at stake, so we felt like it was an important one to provide the state with better information about. And so what did you find? Well, um, we took a number of different cuts in our, uh, in our research to try to determine where there might be some positive impact of the program, or negative for that matter, too. We don't go in with a bias about how the results will come out. And in nearly every um, uh, cut that we took, we found uh, very little evidence of any impact whatsoever. Now, there are some specifics that we can talk about later about the way that students are placed that may have some indications in, placed during their fourth grade year that may have some indications of possibilities for um, positive outcomes for the program. But right now, based on what, what we were able to determine looking at the first two cohorts of students, these are students who were third, or third graders in the 2013-14 school year and students who were third graders in the 14-15 school year, we see very little evidence that their participation in the program uh, made uh, help them to increase their reading achievement relative to very similar peers who were not exposed to the program. And, and you mentioned uh, no impact, which means they didn't improve, but they also weren't negatively affected. Yeah, they did not program. regress either. So that's right. And, and so you mentioned kind of examining two different types of students, those who kind of were uh, evaluated and, and uh, labeled as needing some help, but maybe didn't go through all the interventions, and then those who did. Was there any difference between the two? No. And so the, the larger group are the students who are initially identified by their original test score, and they are, in our terminology, impacted by the policy because they become read-to-achieve eligible. There's a smaller group that, after all of the interventions that take place after that initial identification, are eventually deemed to be reading proficient and move on to fourth grade. The, the group that remains, the ones who go through all of those interventions and, and demonstrate still the same level of reading proficiency, then get services during what would have been their fourth grade year. So that smaller group, we also took a look at outcomes for them and also were, were not able to detect any significant outcomes, positive or negative. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about kind of the technical aspects, how this study was actually conducted. So let me turn it over to Steve Porter here to tell a little bit about the methodology. We actually spent a good deal of time in our, in our public report uh, thinking about ways to describe to a general audience uh, how that research unfolded uh, because it's a, little, it's a little technical at times, but I think we hit a pretty good note, uh, and Steve is going to share with us a little bit more about the details. I think the best way to think about our analysis is what we would do in an ideal world, which is we'd randomly assign students to be retained. Uh, obviously, we're not going to do that for ethical reasons. And so we used uh, an analytical approach called regression discontinuity, and we took advantage of the fact that there's a strict cutoff uh, for determining whether or not a student is read to achieve eligible if they don't score high enough on the third grade EOG to be deemed proficient. And so we can think of the kids around the cutoff as almost being randomly distributed around the cutoff. Maybe one kid had a bad morning skip breakfast, another kid walked in the door, had a really great day, scored a little bit higher. And so what we really did in our analysis is we we're comparing students just above the cutoff to students just below the cutoff with the idea that these two groups of students uh, look alike, just as if we had done uh, a random assignment of 
of treatment. Uh, the, the caveat here is that with this kind of analysis, we can only talk about the effect of the program for students at the cutoff. So that's an important thing to remember is that when we say there's no results, there's no results for students who scored right at the cutoff uh, of proficiency. We can't unfortunately say anything about, for example, the students who scored 10 or 20, you know, very, very far below the cutoff for proficiency. And so that fact that you just mentioned, what implications does that have? Well, it depends on your point of view, I would suspect. I think uh, many people would look at this policy and think uh, of all the students who are exposed to Read to Achieve, we're probably most concerned about the ones who are scoring very low on the third grade EOG, and unfortunately we can't say anything about those students. To reiterate what Steve noted, we can't do anything uh, rigorously analytical about those students. We can take a look at how they perform in the years that follow, and there are some differences a little bit for the kids who are uh, much lower down uh, the scale just on average, but we're not able to subject it to the type of analysis that makes us able to say something very definitive like we are for the, the large number of students who are around the cutoff. Uh, students are not evenly distributed in terms of their scores. There's a lot of students clustered around the cutoff. I think it's close to how many in the end were on both sides of the cutoff. Yeah, but it's a it's it's not just a it's not it is thousands of students. So we're not talking about just a small number of students right at the cutoff. But it's still a large representative group. But to Steve's point, it's not every student. And so, um, what kind of conclusions can we draw from this? Does does the data suggest ways to improve the program? Does the data suggest? that we just need a different program? Is there anything that we can conclude based on what you found? Well, this is another caveat of the study. So <clears throat> a lot of times we are able to conduct uh, qualitative research alongside our quantitative research to provide more context for the, the findings that we have. In this case, our funding for this program came from uh, a federal uh, program that uh, specifically focuses on the quantitative outcomes. So we had to spend most of our time taking a look at just the quantitative uh, outcomes for students. That said, we were able to administer a couple of different surveys, one uh, to principals uh, of all of the elementary schools, and we had a pretty good response rate for that. It wasn't universal, but it was pretty good, about their services that they provide students during fourth grade because the services are different school to school, district to district. And then we also were able to conduct a survey about the uh, the makeup of the reading camps that take place between the third and fourth grade year, and we had a pretty high response rate on that. So while we can talk about pretty definitively whether or not uh, the program had a significant impact on the students in the cohorts we studied based on their reading scores, we, are, we move into the realm of speculation in terms of what might be good next steps for the state. That doesn't mean that we haven't made some of that speculation. In our conversations with literacy experts, with people at the Department of Public Instruction, with uh, the principals and the teachers out in the field, we do have some sense for some things the state might want to examine, and we cover a lot of these in uh, our report and also in a follow-up memo we'll be publishing later this week. Uh, some of those things are to think about the fidelity of implementation. And when we say that, we mean the degree to which Read to Achieve is implemented similarly from district to district, school to school. Are students receiving the same services uh, or the best services possible during their fourth grade year? Are the, the reading camps providing the same level of service or the best level of service possible from district to district? Uh, are the teachers available 
evenly across the state to to teach and lead these special fourth grade classes. And, and there we're thinking about whether or not you have teachers who have demonstrated uh, high ability in terms of uh, generating high reading scores for students or in improving reading across the board. Are they available across the state to take all the, to, to teach these courses? And these are big questions that we can speculate a little bit about. And we know that there are data, some data out there, but part of what it will take to answer some of those deeper questions is uh, a deeper and wider collection of data uh, on the part of the Department and uh, of Public Instruction and the districts that are implementing. So yes, there are some things we can point to, but there are more questions about how to think about changing implementation than definitive answers. And is there any plan for a follow-up? Well, we're always open to the possibility, um, you know, with each new budget session, there are new questions to ask and answer. And a lot of our work is to establish a method for doing the work going forward. So whether we carry it forward or the department carries it forward or individual districts carries it, carry it forward, we think we provided a roadmap for doing that. Uh, we're open to the, the possibility, but right now we don't have anything in line for uh, taking a look, for instance, at results for the next two cohorts of students, those who were third graders in the 2015-16 school year and the 16-17 school year. That would be really important to do, not just because we're curious, but because the state has changed its approach to reading to achieve over the years, and there are now more uh, services provided for students before they reach third grade. And so it would be worthwhile to see if changes like that have made a difference. Well, Tripp, Steve, thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. We've been talking with Tripp Stallings. He is the Director of Policy Research at the Friday Institute for Educational Innovation at NC State. And we've also been talking with Steve Porter. He is a professor of higher education at the College of Education at NC State University. And I'm Alex Granados, senior reporter for Education at NC. And you've been listening to Ed Talk. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.